In a few days time jury worldwide will celebrate the feast of Passover. None of us planning to celebrate this feast can deny the fact that it will be one with a difference. For all of my more than four decades on earth, except for my baby days, I've missed partaking in the feast, only once, during my mandatory youth service corps program, in Jigawa State more than a decade ago. In all the years of marking this feast, I anticipate that this year's celebration will be extraordinarily peculiar, and interestingly, eerily similar to what was the first of its kind. This is because the conditions under which we are about to celebrate this feast, mirrors that of the Hebrews in Goshen, in the land of Egypt. Just like it was, as recorded in the book of Exodus, the first feast of Passover was celebrated, amidst death and destruction. Indeed, the night in which it was celebrated marked the climax of the list of plagues, that pummeled Egypt in the days preceding the feast, i.e. when the angel of death passed through Egypt, sparing the Israelites who had the blood of a lamb sprinkled on their doors and lintels, but killing the firstborn sons of the Egyptians. As it was in the beginning, when the Passover was celebrated in the homes, per family we most likely will revert to same, and while it employ social distancing. The dictates of the time suggest that all of that close knitting and bonding that goes with celebrating the feast of Passover, even amongst members of a family will be jettisoned. If we had kept the ritual of the Passover as low-key as we possibly can over the years, with publicity as much as social media can afford, this time around it will even be more so. Also, the sobriety that roast meat engenders when eaten with bitter herbs and unleavened bread, will gain more significance due to the conditions under which we will eat this, as we eat in solidarity with jury who might not be in the position to eat, either due to self-isolation, quarantine, hospitalization or even intensive care, by reason of exposure to the novel coronavirus, with those whom opportunity will avail to partake of this solemn festival. It is a widely held belief that while the children of Israel were in Goshen in Egypt, they literally lived untouched and unscathed by any of the ten plagues that afflicted the Egyptians. Until recently, I hadn't questioned that notion, especially if one is to use biblical records as authority. It is also based on this that movies about Moses and the Exodus story were made over the years, until Exodus, Gods and Kings was released. This one movie questioned most of the parts of the story we held dear to our hearts about Moses, the Exodus and Passover, and I dealt extensively with that in https colon slash slash medukovic.wordpress.com slash 2015 slash 11 slash 03 slash Moses and Exodus via Hollywood slash, but will only highlight a particular point here, for the purpose of the subject I'm about right now. Link, right pointing finger https colon slash slash m dot facebook dot com slash group slash five one five one one oh two nine five nine five seven five nine nine question mark ref equals bookmarks it is the coloration given to the plague in this instance such that in this offering the plagues affected the israelites just as much as it did the egyptians i had always wondered about the fate of hebrews who would have gone to work in egyptian homes or egyptians who might have been in goshen at the time any of the plagues would have made landfall in egypt could an Israelite walking along Egyptian streets not get pelted by hailstones? Or would an Egyptian in Goshen have hailstones pelt him singularly because he deserved it? Hence, Moses could be seen in that movie complaining about how the Israelites for whom punishments were been meted to the Egyptians were suffering collateral damage. In the end, the writer however succumbed, and kept in line with tradition, ensuring that only Egyptians suffer the last plague, as long as the Israelites place the distinguishing mark on the designated parts of their homes. This brings me to the present situation and the reality of our time. Our Jewishness haven't shielded us from the scourge of the COVID-19. Even the only Jewish state in the world is bearing the burden, along with the rest of the world. Even as I write this, there's no guarantee that by the evening of April the 8th, I won't be under self-isolation, quarantine or the likes, but Yahweh's will we must do, His commandments we must obey, 
by the best of our abilities, regardless of our state and condition. That's my approach to the coming feast, it will be a peculiar one, and we must do it without endangering our lives or that of our neighbor. The extraordinary circumstances suggest that some aspect of the ritual be modified to accommodate our realities, and because I'm no rabbi, or authority to truly speak on the specifics, it behoves on those of us who will officiate the celebrations to make the necessary alterations that will leave us safe even as we strive to fulfill Yahweh's laws and ordinances. Yahweh, who delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, by His mighty hands, through the sea of reeds, and wilderness unto the promised land, will also see us through this scourge, and beyond it, to the glory of His holy name. Kavich. Picture credit. HTTPS colon slash slash images dot app dot go dot gl. HTTP colon slash slash the Jewish voice dot com.